This is Baja SAE Shop Talk, the official podcast of the Baja SAE series. Welcome to the second episode of the 2017 competition season. I'm your host, Amanda Petrakowski, University Program Developer, SA International. Today we're going to be talking about the new rule set, and I'm joined by quite a few people that you guys know. I have Sam Burrill here, Program Manager for Baja SAE, Mike Zimmerman, who is the, uh, one of the Briggs guys that you see at competition, uh, Chris Reedy, who is a um, one of the technical inspectors and a Tennessee Tech grad, and Bo Nealon, who is an Oregon State grad, and he is also a tech inspector. We were getting a few questions that we thought we should touch on. The first question that we got a few times was that there weren't a whole lot of changes to the rules this year outside of the new engine changes, which we all knew were coming. So, Sam, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Hey, guys. Something that's been going on for a number of years, and this basically comes from SAE's uh, CDS and Education Board, was uh, it also came from the faculty advisors and and some of the students as well that um, changing the rules just for the sake of change doesn't help in the learning and the education aspect of the competition. A lot of times throughout the years, we did make changes based on safety, based on things that were either clarified or explained better. Um, There were always the tech inspectors who came to me with a number of concerns because they were looking and seeing the same uh, misinterpretations or, or they weren't clear as to exactly how it was worded. So what we've done is we've tried to just make those changes, and unfortunately, we, we may have gotten out of hand over the years, but we want to go back to possibly doing an every other year changes. Uh, it helps with education. It obviously helps students learn a little better, and it puts a little bit of, uh, of ease and less pressure on the technical inspectors when they go a second year using the same rules. And so uh, we've tried to ease that process, and, and, you know, we've been doing this for 41 years now, and uh, we'll be a little bit less, hopefully, in the future with any major changes. Uh, the only one, as Amanda mentioned, would have been the prison threat and engine change for the 2017 season. Yeah, so we're expecting to have tons of teams passing tech on the first day. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I wouldn't say tons, but I would say <laughs> if we go into the second year, normally uh, Bo and Chris probably can address it as well, but the second and third competitions of the season probably brings a little bit more teams that would pass in the first day. The first event is always going to be the toughest, but I would like to think based on some of the non-changes we made this year that it may be a little bit better. At least that's what I'm hoping and expecting. Guys, you have any comments on that? Uh, Just from my side, you know, in general, we're not trying to change the rules just because we want to change them. Uh, We're changing them because, you know, either teams have come up with something that we need to specifically address or we found something that's outdated and we can do better. So in general, we don't want to change the rules if we don't have to. So as we keep them similar and, you know, keep changes to a minimum, we expect teams to get used to them and and be able to work within them and show up to a competition with a car that that meets the rules for the first time. So uh, while that won't eliminate some of the, the duct tape and zip tie situations that we find uh, at every event, uh, there shouldn't be any, frame welding, or uh, major changes required uh, as we get settled into the rules. Yeah, speaking of frames, 
we did make a minor change to the frame pre-check process this year. Bo, do you want to speak a little bit about that, how that's different from the past year since there's been a few different variations in the past few years? Yeah, I I wouldn't say it's, you know, entirely different than the past few years. I think a lot of the changes just came in the process to be able to allow teams to better fulfill the requirements we're setting forth. Now, basically, we're saying that you, you do have to pass your frame check before competition. And the route, the route you take to, to get a frame that meets the requirements is just a little more straightforward. So basically, we've created this deadline that you need to submit the frame check documents. And basically, you have to keep submitting until, until you pass. We saw the actual submission of your frame really really hasn't changed. It's just that we're trying to provide better better feedback and give you an okay before competition rather than having people show up that still need to make a lot of changes in order to pass tech. Great. And one thing that is different this year is before registration will open, all deadlines will be posted. So no excuse for missing that frame pre-check deadline in January. It's already posted for all three competitions. We do have one major change that has been a few years in the making, and we knew it was coming, and Briggs was kind enough to bring an engine to all three competitions this past year, which I think helped the students get their hands on it, figure out how they're going to make modifications that they need to. We brought Mike Zimmerman on the podcast to talk a little bit about that. Do you have anything that you want to put out there at the beginning here, Mike, before we jump into some specifics okay um hi everybody um you know no really this this is i think it's scarier than it really is for all the teams out there um reality is the engine is not uh physically size wise any bigger larger whole sizes are the same for mounting up there's a few minor things that are different on the engine as far as you know where you're going to hook the throttle cable we're changing the governor's spring location a couple things like that uh, the fuel comes in on a different side of the carburetor than it did last year probably the biggest change is the fact that we're not supplying the fuel tank and i've had some questions on that so i think we need to probably speak to that a little bit here too also yeah let's talk about the fuel tank while we're at it we've mentioned i personally have mentioned it to a lot of students this year and then the rules were released where the fuel tank didn't happen at least not for this year so sam you want to mention talk a little bit about that yeah like uh mike said We originally had talked about this a number of years ago, and for the historians, we want to make sure they understand that this will be the third engine change for the Baja SAE competition. Briggs and Stratton has been with SAE from the beginning, which is over 40 years. We started out with an eight-horsepower engine, and we have changed that back in the 90s to the 10-horsepower, which was the Model 20, and as Mike just explained, we have now the Model 19. Um, One of the unique qualities of the engine itself is that what Baja SAE does with these engines is not typically what the engine is used for. So fuel tank that would be part of the Baja SAE competition doesn't lend itself to any other category. So therefore, Briggs & Stratton does not offer a tank that will be part of the Baja SAE competition. What we currently have and are using for the 2017 season is the existing tank from the old Model 20, 
and I believe that's still able to be ordered through Briggs and Stratton, through their distributor, and through their online. Or, of course, many of these teams have numbers of tanks hanging around. As part of the future that we are working on, there's a group committee, if you will, including the rules committee members and a number of technical inspectors that are specking and sending RFPs out to various organizations and uh, companies that will supply SAE, we hope, a fuel cell, a, a tank that would be safer, obviously, for the competition itself, but also is economic, economically advantageous to the teams. The chances, though, uh, many teams that will be using the fuel cell will probably have to uh, purchase it. We don't have any prices. We don't have any specs to promote yet. We want to make sure the teams are understanding that they're able to use the old tank that they have already or a tank they can order from Briggs and Stratton. Mike, I believe that's that's a correct assessment of what you and I discussed over the last few years. Yep, that's pretty much spot on, Sam. So, Chris, as one of the techs that's working uh, on this process, what are the sort of things that you're looking for from, you know, Sam mentioned af- affordability for teams, that kind of thing. Is there anything specific that tech is looking for when they're trying to research the fuel tank situation? Well, we're looking at several different options right now, and one of the keys we're trying to look for is something that's easy for the students to integrate. Um, we don't want to create a system that has an ambiguous mounting structure or that lends itself to many different interpretations that we have to make very complex rules to uh, keep within bounds. So what we're trying to do is, is develop a, a simplified mounting system that if possible, has some different options on if you want to mount it to, like, say, the firewall or to a member. But kind of all that's up in the air right now. But just know that we're trying to simplify the system to where we won't have to have the complex rules with the secondary members and tabs and all the crazy stuff on the, the overhangs have to be a certain amount and they can't be to the box. And, and all the, the various things, you know, that go around the current fuel tank rules. Trying to get that simplified down to something smaller. We're also trying to just get the uh, the tank as a package to something that has a little more flexibility than the current uh, basic plastic tank. Uh, what we're looking at is is removing the removable tank as an option. Um, so remote mount tank is obviously going to have to be a remote mount tank because we won't be we won't have provisions to mount the new tank to the engine. But something in the past that we've had is the removable tank where you can have a, a separate box and a quick change tank to where you can just remove the entire tank and replace it with another full one. Uh, moving forward, we're actually looking at eliminating that. Um, a lot of teams will probably cry foul, but at the same time, we're also looking at adding a little bit of fuel capacity to where we can get one stop eliminated from the endurance race. Uh, so we're looking at different options uh, to see what we eventually want to go with, but we're trying to find a good balance between the amount of fuel carried on the vehicle and the number of stops required and the number of times we open that tank during the live event in order to uh, find a good balance of safety. Sounds like a win-win for everyone. Hey, Chris, you want to also touch on this year reminding teams that all the tanks that we use this year will be remote mounted. There will not be an ability based on the new Briggs and Stratton engine to mount a fuel tank to the engine as they have before. Yeah, Sam brings up a really good point in that uh, because we will be using a legacy tank that does not attach to the current engine, 
there will not be a provision for mounting the tank to the engine. You will have to remote mount the tank or uh, uh, use a removable fuel tank system, and those will have to meet the detailed rules of the fuel tank mounting. So this has been a problem uh, that's been pretty consistent um, in the past for the fuel tank mounting, what's acceptable, what's not. So uh, be very careful reading those rules. If you have any questions, um, please submit uh, questions to the rules committee, um, or to, to the tech inspectors, rather, and we will um, do our best to answer those. Please, when you're submitting those questions, be as detailed as possible. Provide models or pictures or drawings of exactly what you're looking to do. If possible, provide dimensions uh, where you can. It makes our job really easy when you show us a really complete picture of what you're doing, how big it is, what it looks like, what it's made out of. That way we can very quickly look at it and say yes or no. Mike, do you have anything to add specifically about the fuel tank? I just want to make sure that when they, if they do order a fuel tank, um, that they do get the rollover cap that's uh, got the BB in it to, to aid in the case they do roll over and keep the gas from spilling because that's one of the reasons we're going to the remote tank and not having it on the engine is because of that we're not able to produce that cap for this new fuel tank. Um, so just make sure that they get tank and cap and they should be good to go. One of the questions that I keep getting on Facebook every few days is when we'll get the plans out. So when this podcast goes live, there will be the engine plans available. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? What students will have available to them? You'll be able to find it on the rules and important documents page. Uh, so, Mike, you want to talk a little bit about that? Well, um, the, the CAD drawings should be available shortly. Sam does have them, and he's going to put them on the website here shortly, I believe, Sam, if I'm not mistaken. Um, That's correct. It's in yep, process. Th yeah. They'll be posted when this podcast goes live. Okay. And then uh, we also have engine drawings on there dimensionally, just showing the engine, um, you know, 360 with all dimensions on it, the whole locations and, and stuff like that. So... Um, that stuff will be there. And again, uh, the, the engine really dimensionally is not really any bigger than the existing Model 20. Uh, very, very similar in design in all aspects of the engine. So uh, I don't expect the it teams to really have any problem at all um, going forward with this new engine. I want to ask each of you if there's one rule that you think teams need to specifically pay attention to this year. From our perspective, one rule that changed was document submissions will only have a five-day grace period this year. So if you don't submit your required documents within five days, you'll be removed from the competition. That was cut in half from the 10 days previously. So uh, we think this will probably bite a few teams. Um, but if they've read the rules and listened to the podcast, they shouldn't have any problems. But they will be notified prior to that time frame, I believe, correct? Yep. Uh, Chris, do you have any uh, one specific rule that you think teams need to make sure they read and read again? I'll say that uh, in general, kind of the biggest thing that I want to stress to the teams is uh, we don't want to fail you any more than you want to fail. So just kind of remember that when, uh, when you're coming through tech. And be mindful that we're all volunteers, and at any given event, up to half of us can be new. Uh, so one thing to keep in mind is that whatever happened at the last event, 
doesn't matter at this one. We're humans and we're volunteers. And like I said, a lot of us can be new. It could be the only event you ever do. And we could have a new guy replacing him the next event. So keep that in mind. But overall, the the one thing would be just give margin to measurement requirements. Um, we have templates and blocks and tape measures. And when you try to cut it to 8.00 inches or 2.00 inches and it ends up being 1.9 because the freshman guy cut it wrong, that fails just the same as if it were one inch. So make it 2.1, make it 8.1, give a little margin there. Don't try to make it exactly on because I've seen that bite so many teams in the past and it's a really dumb reason to fail tech. That's a great reason, Chris. And let me just finish up real quick um, on that on that point. Tech inspectors have, in the past and even recently, have gotten a bad rap. The things that Chris mentioned, uh, the things that he said as far as he wants you guys to pass, they want all the teams to be able to compete. I do not believe there's a tech inspector that did not participate in the past. So they all alum, they know the situation, they know the stress you guys are under. They want to be part of your solution. They don't want to be antagonistic, but they do want you to pass and they do want you to pass safely. So take that for what it is and for what Chris has mentioned. Thanks, Chris. The other thing to remember is, you know, anytime we have to fail you, you just have to come back to us and it's more work for us. So we would be super pumped if everybody just came through and passed on the first try. It would make for really short, nice days for us. And then we can put you to work on the track. Nah, maybe. <laughs> Bo, do you have anything, um, any specific rules that you think teams need to be paying attention to? I think you and Chris touched on it pretty good. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I think it's more if teams do have questions to utilize the, you know, the online forums and submit questions for for us to look at i mean we're here we're here to help people and we want to see people pass so um in the end if, if you're not sure just just ask we we really want to see everybody pass tech we don't we don't like to be the the bad guys on tech inspection day we want to we want to see everybody come come to tech and be so well prepared that we pass all the cars first try and we we try and give people the resources to do so. speaking of rules question I just want to let all the teams out there listening, if you submit a rules question on Facebook or to the collegiate competitions email, you're sending it to me and Sam. You don't want us to answer your rules question. You have to submit all rules questions through the rules Q&A on BajaSAE.net. Mike, do you have one thing you think teams need to be paying attention to from the rules this year? Well, it's not really a probably a rule infraction, but you know, one thing that I see a lot of is you know these teams, especially if they're building new cars for this coming year, um, serviceability of the engine components. I mean, the high profile parts that we Briggs and Stratton need to look at. Uh, example: two cars last year, we could not get the air filter off the carburetor to put a new air filter on car couldn't run he had to pull the engine out to do it so when you're designing these things you know i think they need to look a little bit at, at serviceability of some of these high profile components that we will need to look at more than likely uh, if they have a, a a dirt ingestion issue or something like that um and the other thing was uh tech forms you know we had a lot of teams that were running around trying to you know borrow steal buy the tech forms that we have to sign on the, you know when they come to us so I don't know if you can put something out there on the on the web that you know kind of really draws attention to the fact that they need to bring these things and be ready with them. 
Good point. We also get that question over and over and over again at the registration page or at the registration desk. We've talked a lot about the engine today. And one thing I do want to mention is every team will have to be ordering an engine this year. After you're registered uh, for the competition, go on and make sure you buy an engine through the first competition you're attending. So if you're attending California and Illinois, make sure you order your engine for the California event through that team profile page. Otherwise, you won't get it in the first round. We'll send them out in waves based on the competition. With that said, we will have between 250 and 300 teams ordering engines this year. So please be patient with us. Please don't email us every day and ask us where your engine is. We will send you the tracking information whenever we get it. If you have any questions about ordering an engine, you can email collegiatecompetitions at sae.org and we'll try to get them answered as quickly as we can. Uh, But please bear with us uh, as well as, um, you know, with our Briggs suppliers when it comes to the pushing out this new engine to all the teams. So with that, I want to wrap up. Uh, from the tech side, Chris, Bo, do you guys have anything else? Yeah, I've just got a couple more things. Just real quick hit list. Um, just make a plan when you come into tech and be organized. One of the biggest pet peeves I have is when your entire team is swarming around me trying to poke their head in and see what I'm doing and getting in my way. So that doesn't help your process at all, and it's just going to slow me down and get me frustrated. Uh, and then beyond that, uh, just the biggest tips are sweat the details of the car, like the wire routing, cleaning corners up, having your belts wrapped. Consider the sweeps of moving parts, like your suspension, uh, getting your brake lines tangled in them. Uh, treat your belts like they're made out of paper, which means like keep the sharp edges away. Don't redirect them out of things. Like Basically, keep anything from wearing on them. Keep your batteries secure. Constrain your fuel line really well. That's something I've had to... You know, there's probably been a thousand zip ties used on my account for that. And then just generally treat tech inspection like what it is. And that is the one event with the most points at stake. If you don't make it through tech inspection, that's an automatic 700 points you're not eligible for. Because that's all of the dynamic events and the endurance race. So come to the event, treat it like that, and it won't be a problem. Read the rules carefully. Um and one thing we constantly notice in tech, there's a lot of cars that are designed to meet the rules, but really could be a lot more ergonomic and safe than, than what we see. I mean, it's, when designing these things, people, they need, people need to use common sense. And just, just because there isn't a rule, defining something doesn't mean it's a, something or a good idea. Um, like I said before, if, if you're unsure about rules, submit, submit rule inquiries for here to to help so we want to we want to see everybody be successful and pass tech on the first try like chris said when you guys come to briggs tech um you know nothing's really changed uh, we ask you to, to you know verify you have nothing in the crankshaft make sure you got fuel make sure you have oil in the engine um you know i hate to say it but we've seen two cars blow up last year because they had no oil in the engine so you know make sure you're oiled up gassed up fueled up everything off the crankshaft uh the uh, throttle controls loose that we can get in there and, and you know manually operate the throttle. You know we're not going against your spring tension and also give us a little room. I mean you know typically we've got you know maybe five six seven guys around the car and it's kind of hard to get around it. So just you know give us a little bit of room so we can work on it and get you going a little bit quicker. Thanks everyone for joining us today. I know that there are a ton of teams that are going to listen to this and take a lot of tips that they never even thought of <laughs> because I hear it every time that we do a podcast. They never thought of that. So 
Thanks, everyone, again for taking the time out of your day to do this once again. All these guys volunteer their time, and I I know that they've all been there, and they all want to see you guys pass all the portions of tech inspections. So also they want to see you survive endurance. So that's the ultimate goal for tech inspection. So thanks again for everyone. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Baja SAE Shop Talk. As always, we want to hear from you. So email BajaSAE at SAE.org. The show notes for this episode, as well as all others, can be found at www.bajasae.net slash podcast. Stay safe, and we'll catch you next episode.